Mark, I, I want you to to share your thoughts on what's happened here. You could actually tell us. No, no, we want just his thoughts. Matthew 16, 21 to 23. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples Mm. that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began (laughs) to rebuke him. (laughs) How can you not like laugh when you read that? Little Peter began to rebuke Jesus, right? Saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. What's going on here, man? What's Peter thinking? Gentlemen, is it okay to call my dog money hungry if it ate some of our money? Or is that verbal dog abuse? No, I think that's fine. That's appropriate. It actually ate Did it some money. money? <laughs> she, I'm glad it wasn't mine. It Did you get my, a picture of it? It, it was my daughter shot. Kylie's money. She really did? Yeah. Uh, she didn't eat the whole thing, but she she chomped in the Well, one it's the actually bills. sin because that's called money hungry. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's a money hungry dog. I was Ray. just telling Ray that Kelly this morning was like, hey, have you seen the dog bowl? And I was like, I didn't know he could. Ding. <laughs> 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 that's good. Was that original? No, no, of course not. <laughs> Nothing I say is original. Um, That's yeah, original. So my dog eats money. Ray, your dog eats sheep. <laughs> That's so true. We have four sheepskin rugs that are joined together into one massive sheepskin rug, and every day she gets her teeth in and pulls it out. <laughs> and, uh, and she just ends up with this fur, what do you call it, wall in her mouth, looks like Santa Claus on steroids. Oh. And, and I say to Sue, I'm going to stop her. She says, no, don't. She's making it, keeping it quiet. <laughs> it's keeping quiet. It's worth it, huh? Oh, <laughs> Just yes. Just keep buying for her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But she's got, a, she's got an instinct to chase sheep, and this is as close as she can get. She's an Australian sheepdog. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, seriously, what's going on through her head as she's ripping those. Gave her the her first shower this morning. Oh. And it was amazing. So it was the first. I it asked was, you in that yeah, text. I, you didn't I answered, answer. I answered, did you? You didn't even care that I answered. Oh, you did. I said, yes, it I was. I don't read your text. I'm surprised, <laughs> I'm surprised Easy wasn't like, was it a contrasting shower? <laughs> I did. I said, did you? And that's what I asked you. I said, I put her in the freezer for two hours beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I said, did you douse her in freezing water? Uh, that'd be fun. Um, but Ray, you wrote a book, 101 Annoying Things Dogs Do yeah. to Annoy Their... Owners. Owners. Wives. Yeah. What, do you remember some of those? <laughs> no, I don't, but I can think of some just off the top of my head. One yeah. Moment. There it is. <laughs> um, yeah, dogs do just annoying things like our dog is just, we're just breaking her off it where she'll bring the ball to you and as you're going to take it, she'll pull it back from your hand. Ooh. And that is really annoying. And she's in, she laughs about it. You can tell she's laughing as she pulls it back. And uh, other things like they say, open the door for me, open the door, you go open the door, and they stand there and are looking at it saying, what are you open the door for? It's just things like that that dogs do that are really annoying. They'll bark when you're having a snooze, just deliberately, just to scare the living daylights out of you. Yeah, but they sure are worth the price of annoyance, aren't they? Mark, how do you feel about that, Mark? Yeah, Yeah, Mark. No, no, a dog isn't a a Mark lover. Mark isn't a dog lover. I am. I absolutely love dogs. Every dog I see, I feel like getting on the ground just talking. Well, you pretty much do. I'm impartial. You're impartial? Yeah. Take well, it or leave it. We'll open I you you up. love your dogs. I love that my kids love my dogs. Oh, that's I nice. love that it's like a thing that our family really enjoys totally. and has camaraderie. Oscar, dogs are better than people. <laughs> Can you think of any human being that More wags loyal. his tail when he sees you coming? Dogs always do it. Tail wagging. Mark's always wag- wagging his tail when I walk in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, you still hate your dog? 
No, I, I don't hate my dog. My dog is a beautiful dog. I, I mean, I, I thank God for the dog. Vesla? Vesla? Vesla. Vesla? He's a Vesla. His name is Rusty. like a car or something. My, my kids and my wife, they all love the dog. I just don't want the dog on the couch or on... Oh, so it's a selfishness, my, a selfishness thing. That's in my does. view, does, does, he, does he obey, Mark? Does he not go on the couch? No, he's great. But the kids like to lay down a, a special blanket and invite the dog up onto the blanket. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I'm like, that's We have to disgusting. have a blanket if the dog is going to come on the couch. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand these people that allow cats and animals on their couch, and then they invite you over, and then you're just getting covered <laughs> with, with They give you a free fur coat. Yeah, yeah. it makes no sense. Yeah, Willow's three now. And oh, she oh man! If she I was making home, you dinner she, yet? Well, she makes me coffee. Okay. What? what did I say that with creamer? <laughs> no, but Rachel busted her yesterday because she's not allowed in our bedroom. And I and I mean like three years. I've never the dog has never walked that I've seen her walk in our bedroom. It's just not allowed. So she knows. Well, couldn't she, she swim in there? Well, she <laughs> she's wicked and evil. When we're not around, <laughs> Rachel caught her in our room yesterday. Really? What was she doing? Just. Hanging out, like oh. she, you know, when no one's around, like we've caught her. She's caught her in the kitchen when no one's around. No way. But she won't do it when I'm anywhere. Yeah, nearby. but that's that's how she, she sees knows. the rule. I mustn't go in the bedroom when they're around. Yeah, yeah. She has a sinful nature. Yeah, I'm convinced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, yeah, dogs are cool. We have a comment, friends. This is from Connor Lando. Fun and truth. It's always fun to listen to you quirky quirky guys but as you share the truth of god's word your tone of genuineness and clear love for the lord often brings me to tears and then back to laughter and then tears it's an emotional roller coaster thanks living waters friends i always look forward to a new episode oh, wait till they hear the last one that we just did. oh boy it was a lot of fun and then it ends up like everyone's gonna be crying after what you did at the end yeah that one uh, the cross you know yeah. how can you not talk about the cross and yeah. and be moved but thank you uh, connor lando how come you got the uh, name right i know i can't maybe believe i did canner lando <laughs> yeah. oh, i probably botched it for sure but guys, seriously, the, these comments... Do you have to uh, say seriously? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. These comments are tonic to us, aren't they? Yeah. They're, you know, I mean, we, we sit here and we podcast and it is really encouraging to see the numbers mm-hmm. and the numbers continue to grow and praise God for that because there's unfortunately a shortage of God glorifying content that lifts up his word and encourages people. And, and we hope and pray that that's what this is. But while we do the podcast, it feels like a one-way conversation. And the one way that that changes is through the comments and the emails that we get. It becomes a two-week conversation. We hear from our listeners and it reminds us, uh, it lets us know. We we get to hear back from you and it's so edifying. And so we're really thankful for that. And the more you mention Mark's name, the more you get free stuff. So make sure you mention Mark's name. From Mark, directly. (laughs) You can have Easy's phone. (laughs) (laughs) My beautiful phone. Yes, friends. So please keep those comments coming. Keep giving us ratings and all that good stuff that I usually mention at the end, but I'm mentioning now. This podcast is brought to you by, once again, the Living Waters Podcast Mugs. How come mugs have pushed the Evidence Bible off the chart? I still mention it. No, he mentions it. I always mention You're not listening. Podcast Mugs. In the Evidence Bible. Evidence Bible. You're not listening, Ray. Are you showing how they work? Yes, I slurped once again. But friends, these excite us honestly more than anything. For me, these guys don't care about prayer. <laughs> it's because <laughs> I know you will pray for us as you see our faces on the mug. 
Sorry uh, about the faces, by the way. Yeah, sorry. And then uh, remember, it says on it as well, we have no idea what we're doing. We don't. I just want right. to say that Ray is much shorter in person. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, have you ever had anyone say that? That yeah, you're much taller than yeah, they? I, I, Mark interviewed me once and he said, What would you like to change in your life? And I said, I'd like to be much shorter. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, how funny if someone actually said to you, You're much taller. It never happens. It's always I'm pulling some jacket, some down here, down uh, here. Mark, actually, Mark, do you remember the first time you ever saw Ray in person? I, I still haven't seen him. I see right over him. <laughs> I love to sit behind him in church. Oh, right. Perfect yeah. view. That'd be glorious. I, I, I don't. I, I don't remember any aspect of that. You know, man looks on the outward, but God has taught me to always look at the who heart. Who cares about which that? Which is deceitful and desperately The coolest thing about Ray things. is that he can duck under a dog. <laughs> <laughs> a dash hound. Yeah. This uh, is so good, because when atheists insult me, it means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> We've broken you in, right? No, I remember the first time. It was uh, when you came and spoke for us when I was pastoring, and it was it was really surreal. I, it, I don't know. You know, I'm not... I'm not one of those kind of starstruck kind of people, but it was a surreal moment. I mean, you were you were my hero in the faith, and you walk in and were were yeah past tense for sure. <laughs> I, I remember the first time that I saw him. Is if that's, that's what, what I'm referring meant. to? Oh, I thought you, first time I ever remembered. No, no, his no. Saw size. him in person. Saw in person. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't take a sight. Yeah, but I was at probably at the same location that you were. At oh, church. at the church. Okay, the guys, study. wait till I die yeah. before you talk nah, about it. Nah, nah. <laughs> and uh, I was but it, so bored. Uh, <laughs> Get him out of here. No, but it was surreal. Wait for the funeral. It was surreal for me. And I remember what added to it was you did the curved illusion uh, track for me. This is the did. first time I ever saw it. And it, to this day, like, I remember the feeling I had because it was like, what did, what just happened? It looked so real, mm. you know? That's when they were pink and blue. Remember, I did that for a couple of dwarfs and they got offended. Which is <laughs> no. Bigger. Are you serious? I did. I was over near Hollywood and I said, <laughs> I think I said, which is bigger? Which is bigger uh, than this one or this one, or which is longer. Were you not making the connection of what you were doing? No, not that? really. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You know what, though? All that said, you got to hand it to Ray, because he probably can't reach it. <laughs> <laughs> you just looked that up on there. Uh, there's, no, there's no shortage of short jokes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, friends. Today, we're talking about Peter's persistent problems. He had heartburn and sore feet. <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah, you know, Peter uh, Peter is one of those that I so thank the Lord for. I mean, I love so many of the biblical characters, but I especially love those that had the warts. I was just going to say warts. Warts. Yeah. Yeah. Those that had the warts, those that messed up, those it's, that blew it. It's consoling. It is, you know, and especially when we, we see in their lives a pattern of redemption, you know, and the Lord continuing to use them and continuing to be merciful to them. Do you guys ever wonder, like, what was Peter's personality like? I mean, what, was he an introvert? Was he an extrovert? Was he loud? Was he, you know, I it's mean... got to be an extrovert. It's got to be loud. It's just by the way he didn't said everything. He's up front. I'm walking on water. You guys stay here. I don't care what you think. Off I go. Yeah. Impetuous. I yeah. s- identify with him. He would have been short. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he was he was a rugged a rugged individual. He was a fisherman, mm-hmm. um, and so you get the you get the sense that he was a blue collar worker, a rugged individual, traditionally uneducated, though he was educated in the Lord once he got saved. So this guy wasn't a, a glorious person by any sense of the mean. He wasn't a highbrow individual, and and you see every bit 
of how God uses him, sanctifies him, rebukes him. And in the end, while he has very many highs and very many lows, ultimately he dies glorifying his Savior. Hmm. Yeah, crucified in Rome with his head downward is what church history tells us. Hey, listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has $100. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Yeah, and if it's true, it was by request. He, he didn't... Well, he got crucified in New Zealand. <laughs> Down under. Oh, yes. uh, I see, that's what I happened. See. But it was by request because he, he didn't want to... He didn't feel worthy enough to be crucified in the manner of his Savior. And, you know, again... I like the way you what, said, if it's true, because then we might get to Peter. He said, what are you talking about? Who, who said that? <laughs> I died in my sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. But, but, you know, Peter, he was all passion, wasn't he? He was all passion. And I love the saying that says, I would rather uh, tame a zealot than try to raise a dead man. I think, well, he was an accelerator, like not a break. Well, expand on that, Ray. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an accelerator surrounded by breaks. Yeah. What word would you use to describe Peter stepping out of the boat, right? I mean, it, was that a reckless decision that he made, right? I mean, none of us have walking on water on our resume. Mm, so some people true. say that, uh, <laughs> you know, he sank. He did sink, yeah. right? Eventually. But he walked on water, right? What is the word to describe Peter's moment of faith or desperation? Let me jump in. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was wonderful. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Mm. Just terrific. God you bless know, him. I, I, have, I have a painting in my office that you guys all mm. know behind my desk. I came across it one day and was so struck by it. I'm like, I got to get this thing. So we had it redone and, and put up. But it's of Peter when he was walking on water, and it's at the moment when he was beginning to sink. Mm. Yeah, and what's up? That photo was taken. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if, if, if that technology was available back then? You know, mm. and, but, but he was beginning to sink, and I love the verse that goes with that scene. The words that Peter uttered at that moment, Lord, save me. Yeah. Lord, save me. It was well, a quick sal- prayer, wasn't it? Yeah. That's, that's salvation. Yeah. And, and, and Jesus reached out his hand and he, and he lifted him up. But th- there's just so much that surrounds that, you know, and I, I love that whole picture. I mean, he had that faith. He took that step. But then, he, you know, he takes his eyes off the Lord. He starts to worry about the storm. He starts to think, Lord, save me. Those words, those three, Lord, save me, three words. <laughs> One, <laughs> yeah, two. Count. Sorry. It's because in Lebanese, numbers work differently. <laughs> yeah. But what a beautiful prayer. Man, if we prayed that prayer more often, just, mm. Lord, save me. Help. Yeah. You're my yeah. only hope of deliverance right now. Yeah. You know? 
Ray, sorry. I've always wondered how far Jesus' feet sunk into the water. How far <laughs> what? They sunk into the water. Was it? Do you think totally, there were wedges? Totally above every toe. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, toe. totally. And if I was Jesus, I would have let him get right to his nose <laughs> before I lifted him out. <laughs> hey, Peter, just, just got to stand in there watching him. No, I was thinking of Jesus. Oh. Was that water totally under his feet? Oh, or did he mean. sink like two inches into it or five yeah. inches or was there splashings or what? This is, this is the maker of the water and the water's obeying his word. I just wonder, like, what, what was he just strolling? You know, just kind of <laughs> strolling well, on the waves, a bit of a looking around. Walk. <laughs> you the disciples said it's a ghost. Skipping. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. I will say that that whole story He'd is... He'd be waving. <laughs> is encouraging and also convicting. It's encouraging because it's a reminder that faith and a type of unbelief are, are not in opposition of each other, but rather two sides of the same coin. It was Peter that had faith that stepped into the water, but at some point he sank and his unbelief is what causes its dependency on Jesus. And it's what brings him salvation in the moment from drowning. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that part is really important to me. And then you have another, you know, there's constant, there's always stories of that kind of thing happen in the Psalms and the New Testament, help me with my unbelief, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also convicting because if I'm being honest, if I'm one of the guys in that boat, I probably wouldn't be the first one out of the boat. If I'm just being totally honest, yeah. I'm, I, I tend to be really analytical. I tend to think like, I don't know if this is going to work. I, you know, I don't, Jesus is the one walking on water. Who, who am I to walk on water? And, and, you know, if Peter would have been stepping out on the boat, I would have been the one to be like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so it's convicting to me to, to just, to, to keep my eyes on the Lord and to not question my surroundings because he works in incredible ways and, and, and the power of keeping our eyes on the Lord will cause us to move forward in faith. And I know that I need to do that more often. Oh, cool. No. That. Do you think Peter would have broke his neck if he would have dove head first? Because <laughs> he was supposed to walk. <laughs> yeah. And you guys have to remember that it was, it was more of a test in a sense, because remember what Peter said, Lord, if it's you, mm. right? They still were like, wait, who, who is this? Okay, so in a sense, though, it really shows his step of faith because, I mean, if it wasn't Jesus, he was going down. And remember, this wasn't this like calm, right. you know, I mean, this, this was raging. Storm. Yeah. And um, so it, Jesus gave him a word. Yeah. He just said, come. Yeah. Wow. And he did it. Yeah. Yeah, and boy, we, I, are we really talking about this? I mean, there's any atheists listening? It's like <laughs> it just sounds so crazy. Yeah, it does sound so crazy. Jesus walked on water. Peter walked on water. He sank because of unbelief. But we know it's real. <laughs> you know, Rafe, I think back of what it was like for me when you came up to me that day and you gave me that reprint of your book, Springboards for Effective Evangelism, and it had a chapter of my poetry in it that you surprised me with, and then that day when you and I were in Washington Square Park in New York, open air preaching side by side. And the fact that the first I heard of you was from a book, that book that a friend of mine gave me, you know, that I was reading. And then the first time I actually saw you doing something was on that video in Washington Square Park. And then to be with you in those settings and then to get that book with my, my writings in that very book, mind-blowing. I'm trying to think of Peter, you know? I mean, Andrew introduces Peter to, to Jesus to Peter, right? Andrew had met him first. And then, and then we see that day when Jesus is walking, it's presumed he had already met him. And so, but he says to him, come follow me. They're right, mending their father's nets. Come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Mm. And so 
then he sees himself in that boat with Jesus, and then he's walking on water to Christ. You know, like that extrapolation of, of who would have ever guessed this would happen. But yeah. it's quite good that he sunk, because if he didn't sink, he'd still be out there. <laughs> I wouldn't come back. I was, I'm just going to New Zealand. Be back. I'm going to New Zealand. Be back sometime later. Yeah. Let, me, let me go back to something you said earlier, though, Ray, the idea of like an atheist listening and going, that's unbelievable. Let me just address that real quick, because what is the presupposition behind that assumption that it's unbelievable? It's that miracles can't happen. What's the presupposition behind miracles not happening, that we live in a totally natural world? In other words, everything that we can understand about the world can be explained and understood through our senses, from seeing and hearing and smelling and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, but we actually don't live that way. The very essence of who we are and our need to live in this world and experience the world for the truth, beauty, and goodness that's worth living tells us that it's not just a natural world. There is Mm. something about our everyday lives that points towards transcendence that points something that can't be explained naturally. And I've said this before, love is a great example of that. I know so many married atheists, which is antithetical to what they believe. Because when you look at your wife and you say, I love you, when you look at your children and you say, I love you, but let's stick with the wife. When you look at the wife and say, I love you, you know that you mean something more than just what the natural senses tell you that love is. Mm. Because if love is just a part of the natural world, then what you really mean when you look at somebody is you say something like, there's something, there's neurons and synapses firing off in my brain that tells me we should procreate. (laughs) But you see, there's something about that sentence that doesn't get at the essence of love, Mm -hmm. which is why atheists still get married because their souls are yearning for transcendence. Love is something you cannot explain with the natural senses, which points to the reality that there's something more than just the natural world at play here. Speaking of that, I was witnessing to an atheist this morning before the podcast. I went around to local college, did some interviews, and this guy, he was intelligent guy. He said, I'm an atheist. And he said, I said, why are you an atheist? And he says, because I don't believe in what I can't see. Uh-huh. And I said, you don't mean that, do you? He says, no, I don't. <laughs> it was really ironic. And, um, and I says, you know, there's such a thing as love and history and air and things are just totally invisible. But the whole thing that I don't believe in miracles, I'm an atheist, I want to reason things out. Well, I'll give you a reasonable explanation. God's supernatural. He can do miracles. There's your yeah. reasonable explanation. Why don't you accept it? It's because you're living with your girlfriend. That's what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> Always back to that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mark, I, I want you to to share your thoughts on what's happening here. He this could is, actually tell us. Too. No, no, we want just his thoughts. Matthew 16, 21 to 23. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples mm. that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began <laughs> to rebuke him. <laughs> I, how can you not like laugh when you read that? Little Peter began to rebuke Jesus, right? Saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. What's going on here, man? What's Peter thinking? Is he thinking? Right. Right. (laughs) You know, there's another portion of scripture where Peter goes after Jesus in the water. Do you remember where that passage is at? Uh, is it when he jumped out of the water? When he jumps out of the water, oh, yeah, and he heads for Jesus. John. Oh, John yeah. 21. 21, yeah. that's exactly right. 
you know, notice he doesn't walk on the water. He's like, I'm gonna do whatever I can to get there as quickly as I possibly can. And he puts mm-hmm. on his outer garment oh, wow, and, he, and he heads towards Jesus. You know, we see the picture and the story of Peter denying Jesus those three times. In John chapter 21, the same passage where Peter goes after Jesus, this is where the English language does not do justice to what we see happening here inside the text. In verse 15, it says, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than Mm. these? And this is after Peter dives in after him. This is where Peter's, he had all of his denials, everything that he had gone through. And Jesus is questioning his love for him. And the word love here is agape, right? Where it is an unconditional, it is a sacrificial love. That's the Greek word. That is the Greek word. And Jesus says to Peter, do you unconditionally and sacrificially have a love for me? Hmm. And Peter says, you know that I love you. But in the Greek, he says, you know, I have a phileo love, a brotherly love for you. And the English doesn't pull this out. So Jesus says, do you have an unconditional sacrificial love for me, Peter? I have a brotherly love for you. Do you have an unconditional sacrificial love for me, Peter? I have a phileo love for you. And then Jesus says, do you even have a phileo, a brotherly love for me, Hmm. Peter? He went from asking him, do you have an unconditional? He says, I have a brotherly love. He goes, do you even have a brotherly love for me, Peter? And it says that Peter was kind of vexed in his soul. He was beside himself. He was distressed, as one text puts it. Lord, you know all things. Mm. And I think so many times when I go to the Lord in prayer, I go with no words to the same thing as we started off our podcast with when we're talking about, Lord, is that you? Lord, help me. Lord, help. Lord, be merciful. Hosea says that God delights in being merciful. I said, Lord, you know all things. I don't even know how to pray towards this situation or this position that I've got myself into. I don't know how to pray for her with what she is encountering. Lord, help. And I'm just beside myself. Lord, you know. This is the picture I see of Peter, who is an utter mess. And God says, man, he is perfect to be (laughs) on my team. He, He has nothing to offer but his availability. And a lot of times the best ability is availability. That's wow. really good. That's good. So so do you do you think, Oscar, though, having now become a disciple of Christ and this passage that I mentioned here in Matthew, that Peter had gotten a little bit arrogant? Like, Jesus, let me tell you what, yeah. <laughs> what I think. Yeah, first off, I think it's important because the question is, he says, get behind me, Satan. And that English rendering of the text might make us think, oh, wow, was he being possessed by... Satan. It's important to remember that that word Satan can be used as a title, as an antichrist or someone who's against God. And so the original language doesn't give us any indication that Peter was being possessed in the moment. He was simply had plans. Uh, he was acting in a way that was anti to what God's plans were. He was an antichrist in that moment. And so that's the reason why he says that. And it's also important to remember where Peter's ambitions coming from. At that time, he was, he was a Jew and Israel was in captivity essentially to Rome. And this idea, like they were all anticipating a Messiah, but the Messiah that they were anticipating was one that would free them and empower them both politically and socially. 
And so Peter is being caught up in this moment of thinking, well, like, well, wait, wait a minute, you dying? Like, no, no, you you are going to bring about political reform. You're going to reestablish our authority in our own country so that it could be taken from Rome and given back to us essentially in this moment. And I love a commentator that I was reading and prep for today says it like this, Peter stumbles in like Satan in the wilderness offers Jesus a crown without the cross. Jesus has none of this for he is committed to his father whose covenant demands that sin's debt be paid in full. Mm. That's, that is what's happening in this yeah. moment. Yeah, and, and Ray, what, was it a blindness too to like who he was talking to? Like, I mean, this would be indicative to me of him not really recognizing the divine authority of Christ. Like he's God, he's perfect. He's, he doesn't just kind of, I think I might. I think I might die. I think I might. I mean, he's telling them this is what is going to happen. Not so, Lord. This will never happen to you. <laughs> I mean, I think a familiarity certainly breeds contempt. Yeah, there are certain things that we can become so familiar with, we lose a deep respect for them. And this was Jesus. This is the one that does miracles, and he's my buddy, sort of oh. thing. And we can treat God the same way. <clears throat> and in a sense, we rebuke Jesus when we question his ways. Yeah, we say, Lord. I think you should do this. There's no other way you should handle this but by this. Often I think like that. I've got to rebuke myself and say, how can God not bless our YouTube channel and take it a billion instead of millions because it's got the gospel in it and people yeah. watch YouTube. <laughs> Why aren't people watching it throughout the world? The Chinese, the Russians. Yeah. Lord, please do something and God's ways aren't our ways. Mm. And so we just have to sit back and say, I'm not going to direct God. He's going to direct my paths. Yeah. I, I, I think I've shared it before. We guys remember the story with Julia when she was learning the alphabet and we were driving one day and she said the whole, you know, Jesus, Jesus, spelled Jesus with a, with a G. And, and what she said after, you know, we corrected her and she starts crying, not to, to go through the whole story, but you, you. And, <laughs> you and mom don't understand how to spell, yeah. you know? And relatively speaking, every analogy falls apart somewhere, but we, could, we could were... Can we just qualify that a little bit? Julia is incredibly intelligent. Oh, very. And yeah. uh, I, I watched a movie with her once. I can't remember. It was an old black and white movie, and she had 167 questions during the first half of that. <laughs> you counted them. I counted them, 167 <laughs> during the first half of the movie. I had to stop it every time <laughs> to answer questions. So she's she's a brilliant kid. Yeah. I can imagine yeah. the first three questions. Where's the color? Why is it black and white? Why can't I see anything? <laughs> yeah. No, right. she's brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, she's a, she's a teacher now and, and just a, and an amazing gorgeous. young lady. Yeah. And I mean, I remember one day we were at the park and she's trying to witness this little girl. I think she was, Julia was about maybe four or five. And she goes to the girl, do you know Jesus? And the girl goes, yeah. And Julia goes, who is he? <laughs> it wasn't sufficient it. enough for her. Just, I know him. Well, then tell me who he is. You I know? love it. There's so but, many things that we just see through a glass house dimly, right? In John 13, 7, we see the picture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And he says, what I do now, you don't understand. Yeah. But one day, one time, there's going to come a moment yeah. where you will understand. Yeah. And, and I think that's a part of pride. It's not understanding that it's possible that we can't understand. I think that's really what leads to pride is no, 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 it must be like this. You know, again, a child being pulled away from a flame or a sharp object, in their minds, there is no grasping of the fact that this is good what you're doing for them. You just you just deprive them of the most glorious thing, these beautiful, dazzling, colorful things. I wanna, of course, touch them and, oh, this great, shiny object, you know? 
It's kind of like we don't give Ray full access to our YouTube channel. <laughs> you may create the videos, but you may not know the password to our YouTube channel yeah, because you right. will destroy the world and take everything yeah, down. That is wisdom in action. It's <laughs> called this right far, there. no further. That's right. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, we're talking about people, uh, Peter's persistent problems to encourage ourselves today. And then we come to the, the, the other account. This is John 18, 10 to 11. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, this is Jesus in Gethsemane when they came to take him away. Then Jesus, Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? What do you guys think is happening here? Let me, let me comment on this. I, Randy Smith, he said, when it comes to fighting for Christ's cause... The only sword we should be wielding is Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the spirit, which is mm. the word of God. Our offensive weapon is the Bible, and we don't swing it broadly like Peter. We handle it with precision. Mm. We apply and share specific verses to specific situations, as Jesus demonstrated when he was tempted in the wilderness. The power is in the word of God, for only the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And this is how we advance our Lord's kingdom, unlike the world and many other religions today. Peter was wielding the wrong sword. Bro, mm. But how many times <laughs> do you see Peter's swinging the swords on social media? Mm. How often yeah, do you right? see guys not wielding it with precision? You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. we need to be more like Jesus and less like Peter in this moment. And uh, I want to point something out that that the the John eighteen uses a very specific name. What was the name that it uses? Malchus. Malchus. That's actually really important because whenever they would use a name, a random name like that in the New Testament, it was for witness effect. In other words, as I receive this letter from John, I look and I see Malchus. If I want to go to Israel, I'm going to ask, hey, where's Malchus? Oh. And I would be able to go and talk to Malchus and Malchus would be like, yeah, man, this ear, this ear right here is the <laughs> ear that was cut off. And look, it's back. Like yeah. Jesus did it. In other words, it turns, there's, there's good, there's reason to believe that Malchus later got saved because he would have been a witness to the truth of this moment mm. for the Christians as they traveled to Israel at that wow. time. You know, yeah. and his name means my king. Oh, wow. Peter saying, you're not my king. Mm. Take that. No, I'm not. <laughs> I have no idea what he was thinking. Yeah, no, you know, seriously. I mean, Malchus must have been the guy that after this incident got the least eye contact of any <laughs> yeah. person. I mean, everyone's looking at the dude's ear, you know, like, whoa, yeah, is yeah. It perfectly replaced, you know? Do you think his boss gave him a earful? Ah! I'm sure he did. Yeah. So, um, Ray Comfort, why you got a phone in my face? Filming for our live stream. Oh, that's what you're doing. (laughs) Trying to find some Uh, cream. I couldn't find any. Yeah. Sorry about that. But Peter, yeah, Peter, again, demonstrating his zeal, you know? But again, it almost looks like, and I wonder if this was probably part of it, him still being oblivious. Not so, Lord. It's not going to happen to you, and I'm going to make sure it's not. What we've got to remember, he wasn't a new creature in Christ in that sense. Hadn't received the Holy Spirit, the boldness, the made brand new creature with new heart, new desires, which happened on the day of Pentecost, I presume. And then we see zeal with knowledge in Peter, Hmm. which is where, I mean, no one wants zeal without knowledge. You don't want to Brain surgeon? Oh, he's a really good surgeon. He's got a lot of zeal, but no knowledge. Now, you don't want him to get through the operation in 10 minutes. You want him to know what he's doing. So what we've got to do is see Peter as he ended up having that zeal with knowledge. Yeah. 
Okay, now now let's look at what was probably Peter's, well, I don't want to say his biggest, but definitely one of the most outstanding of his faux pas. Matthew, faux pas. Matthew 26, 69 to 75. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, but he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway and other girls saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Nothing like a rooster to wake you up. (laughs) So he went out and wept bitterly. Mm, I love that bitterly. Oh, man. This, yeah, go ahead, Mark. No, Richard Baxter, he said, Peter, while he warmed his hands, he cooled his heart. Oh, wow. Right? We, we... We have wow, our guards down. We, we think more highly of ourselves than we ought. I remember going up to an apologist after doing some filming with him uh, several years ago. And he, I said, if you don't mind me saying so, you really think highly of yourself. You and said I'm freshly born again. Uh, we were in a studio at the time. And he said, nothing wrong with thinking highly of yourself, son. Just don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. I was just, and that was just a double doozy for me, right? I'm like, <laughs> wow, this this gentleman is very arrogant, mm-hmm. you know, to think so. Whenever we see somebody stumble or fall, we need to uh, take heed mm-hmm. because they're they're no greater than us. We may be in a greater position in the sense that we didn't do that, but it's only by God's grace that we did not do that act, yeah. and we must remember from whence we came from, unless mm-hmm. we fall. That's yeah. Can I stick up for Peter for a moment? No. No. Please, I want to, because we can tend to look at this and say, what's wrong with you, Peter? Why, why are you denying Jesus? You know, you're a coward. I remember that he had probably seen men pinned to a cross and wailing in agony until they died. Mm-hmm. You can't imagine seeing that and think, this is, this could, this is where this is going to end up. This oh. could be me. If I, if I step up to the plate and say, I'm with him, I'm going to be nailed to a cross and... And so natural fears grip each of us. Like I said, it was when he received the Holy Spirit boldness that he could look death in the face and persecution in the face because he was a new creature in Christ. And that's why we relate to Peter more than any other figure, right? right? That uh, I, I relate to the donkey. <laughs> or Judas. Yeah, funny. The truth we, comes we out. We like the underdog, right? If you're watching a game and you're not familiar with either one of the teams and you have no... Uh, nothing associated with who wins or loses, you're always rooting for the underdog. You're always rooting for the person who does not the team that is not going to win that is favored in the world. We are the underdog, if you would, right? Mm -hmm. And Jesus comes along and he says, I know you deserve to be picked last. Come on my team. You know, know we win. Yeah. And you know, the thing is too, is that this really magnifies the frailty of man, no matter how strong we try to be. You know you know that Peter went into this determined to be strong because yeah. Jesus told him mm-hmm. he would deny him. And no way, Lord, I'll go to death with you, whatever. <laughs> no, no, you're going to deny me, Peter, three times. I mean, you know he was on his guard and he still did it. Yeah. And, and this is, man, th- this is the account that most strikes my heart. It says, immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, 
And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, imagine that, like Peter, you know, he's doing it in front of Jesus. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord. And he had said, how he said to him, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. It gives a whole new meaning to the Lord guiding us with his eye, doesn't it? Mm. Meeting the eyes of him who has seen everything we have ever done. In mm. fact, he's never blinked because he'd be taking his eyes off of us, mm. right? We should tremble at the thought, you know, that every idle word a man speaks, he's gonna have to give an account thereof in the day mm. of judgment. Everything ever done in darkness, you'll have to give an account. Yeah. Unless one is found in Christ, when your eyes meet the eyes of the Almighty, and your knees bow down and you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, it will be to your detriment. Wow. So surrender. You know that the Lord looked at Peter. I get, I've had that look, and I've mentioned it before, but it's not a physical look. But I've known when I've driven my bike past someone I know I should witness to, and I've gone like 300 yards past them and think to myself, I should go back and witness that person, but I'm not. I'm busy. Mm. That's when I hear in my mind, it's not an audible voice, but there was a time I could trust you. Oh, oof. wow. And, and I, I think back in my younger days, I would always go back. And now I always go back now mm. because of that whole thought that Jesus looked at Peter and that caused yeah. him to weep bitterly. And, and what blows my mind is that the, the moment Jesus chose Peter, he was aware of that moment that Peter would deny him. Yeah. And when Jesus was denied by Peter and died and rose again, he called for Peter by name. Mm. And then he entrusted him with leading his people, right? Mark already cited that account. I mean, the mercy of God, the mercy of the Lord. You know, those that would spurn God as being this tyrant and monster, they're blind to instances like these, you know? Uh, as we talked about Jonah recently, right? And, and, and God's compassion on the Ninevites. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the cowardice of Peter. It also points us to the relentless love of God, mm. as, as, which is what you're saying, Easy. It's the fact that it's Peter that denies Jesus. And then when he sees his eyes, he gets a glimpse of the way in which Christ loves him. That in spite of your denial, this what I'm doing is, is for your forgiveness. Like when you, when you fail in loving me, I will not fail to love you and yeah. to forgive you. Amen. Yeah, and look, Peter obviously becomes a different man. We see him on the day of Pentecost. We see his boldness, you know, and then they- Still needs to repent after Pentecost. Yeah, right? And so then we, we see he still had struggles. And, and this is probably one of the most outstanding ones in terms yeah. of post-resurrection. <laughs> Galatians 2, 11 to 13. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, mm. this is Paul speaking, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So why'd you have to bring this up? <laughs> why, man? <laughs> Peter, when you're Christian Christ, all is well and fixed and done. Peter's fine on the right path. Yeah. Nope. 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 Yeah. And so so this, this, again, shows, one, the authenticity of the New Testament, that its heroes are painted in their true light. I mean, if there's anyone that was going to be sort of sheltered, it would have been Peter and, and holy writ, right? But no, I mean, God divinely wants us to understand his greatest servants are prone to fall. Yeah. Be careful. And so th this is serious here. This oh, isn't right. like some light thing. 
I mean, he says him, he was to be blamed for, you know, he talks about, I mean, his hypocrisy, it, it, condemned is the word there too, as well, it's been translated. Yeah. And there was hypocrisy regarding the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, uh, John MacArthur's commentary on this talks about he alludes to a, an issue of racism, and what you can what you can deduce from that is that there are in Peter's heart in this moment both a, an issue of, of per, perhaps cultural uh, superiority, but there's also a misunderstanding of grace, which is where you get the conversation of legalism. One of my favorite prayers I've ever read is by a guy named Scotty Smith, because the thing that matters here is in regards to legalism is that. Each and every one of us could be like Peter in Galatians. We do it in our hearts constantly. And here's what Scotty Smith's prayer is. He's a, uh, I think he's a Presbyterian pastor in Nashville. Here's what he says. It also gives me freedom to acknowledge that I need the gospel today just as much as the first day I believed it. This will be just as true tomorrow and the next day and the next. Keep me convinced, Jesus because I'm much like Peter. It's one thing for me to rant about the ways this generation is distancing itself from the theology of the cross, but it's quite another to see the subtle ways I myself deny the cross. Hmm. Deal with me as you dealt with Peter. When I mute my heart to the insults of grace, I deny your cross. When I think even for a moment that my obedience merits anything, I deny the cross. When I put others under the microscope and measure of performance-based living, I deny the cross. When I wallow in self-contempt and shame, I deny the cross. When I'd rather do penance than repent, I deny the cross. Ooh. When, uh, you know, J.D. Greer, he, he, he talks about the racism that uh, Peter has here. When the Holy Spirit confronted Peter's racism, he didn't just command him to quit looking down on other races. He commanded Peter to embrace Cornelius to go in and eat with him. Peter did not go from racist to non-racist. He went from racist to graceist. <laughs> wow. Unmerited favor. Oh, I love that. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, we see that that Peter came a ways and, and God continued to work in him. You know, an encouragement to those of you out there that have stumbled, that have failed, that have blown it. The gospel is your hope. Look, Peter could have given up. He just denied the Lord of glory. There's one commentator that said what what Peter was basically saying, I mean, when you look at the original language, when he says, I do not know the man, is basically, Jesus never meant anything special to me. I mean, think about that, right? And yet Peter pressed on. He pressed on. He didn't give up. He's being rebuked in the presence of others here for for hypocrisy. I mean, that's heavy. But who's Paul? I mean, talk about, you know, Johnny come lately. I mean, Paul, I'm Peter. I walked on water, you know, with Jesus. I was there. I was, you know, I was the one that he said, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. I'm the one that did the great confession. You're, you know, the Christ, the son of the living God. Who are you? No, but he, he, and he could have gone in so many different directions, whether it was pride or whether it was giving up and walking away or whatever. He persisted. Why? Because of God's grace. Another key point, be careful. The biggest mistake you can ever, ever, ever make as a Christian... Ordering your steak. Medium well. Medium well. Is to say, I could never do that. I would never do that. Never. The thing that keeps me in a place where I have accountability, the thing that keeps me from going certain places or looking at certain things is the knowledge that I can 100% fully at any given moment. 
It's good. We have to think like that or we're in big, big trouble. Amen? Let me just say this by the end of Peter's life. I mean, he wrote this in his epistle. Shepherd the flock of God, 1 Peter 5, 2 through 3, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. I think this came from a heart of realizing how powerful example is, maybe from his mistakes, but also probably from seeing how positive example can impact others. So let's learn from Peter's life and be an example on both counts by sharing our weaknesses and failures with others and sharing our triumphs because of God's grace. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, friends, thank you for joining us. Hey, don't forget the mugs, the mugs, the mugs, mugs, mugs. We got the mugs with our mugs. And the evidence study Bible at livingwaters.com. Comment and all that other good stuff. Don't forget, email at podcast at livingwaters.com. Thank you for joining us, friends. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast, where we have no idea what we're doing. Jerry Lewis on steroids. chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.